Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. Welcome to the Afternoon Show. I'm Bill Arnold, and it is still a continuation of Guy Talk because uh, every so often we do the extended version, which is uh, an additional 30 minutes. So um, we're very excited that uh, it's going to happen today, and we're going to continue with Guy Talk. My power panel is uh, Pastor Tom Parrish and Jeff Verdorn. Uh, Justin Jepson has had to leave the, the discussion, but we also have a, an additional special guest today that's going to bring... Uh, a story to the show which I have loved and I've admired and I've admired him and he's on my list of heroes and he's going to talk about it. He is conveniently related to Jeff Verdorn, Jeff's brother Jim. Jim, welcome. Thank you. You know, uh, was it about a dozen years ago you uh, provided one of the most spectacular gifts anybody could give anybody and I would be curious if you would share, because everyone's uh, very interested in, to know, what gift did you give and to whom? Uh, yes, I was a live liver donor to my father 12 yeah. years ago. That is absolutely spectacular. Yeah. And when they were looking for candidates, were there a lot of candidates? Uh, a lot <laughs> of people actually came and, and, and tested their blood to make sure they're a match or a no match. Yep. Um, I have two older brothers, obviously Jeff and another brother, Jay. And we all three went and got tested. And kind of ironically, uh, my personality is like my mom's, and I look like my mom. <laughs> my two older brothers are personality like my dad and look like my dad. They so do. I kind of thought, okay, I'm probably not going to be a match, and they might be a match. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, I was the only match in the family, so... I was the one that was kind of chosen to do it. But in terms of everyone who participated in getting tested, there were more than just family members, weren't there? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And there, it came down to one candidate. There was one person out there that could save a life, and it was you. Yes. Okay. There's actually, the closer the genetic match, the better chance that the the donor, the the organ will, will take successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was... I was absolutely amazed that there were several people that called up our family and offered to get tested and offered to give up half their liver. And their liver is kind of like your kidney. You can give away one kidney. They're separate. But your liver, they actually cut in half or actually mm-hmm. mo- more than half. Your Was it the upper lobe? Yeah, they actually took 79% of my liver. There's an upper lobe and a lower lobe. And they took basically the whole lower lobe. And that obviously after two weeks ge- regenerates and grows back. Uh, how long does it take to regenerate? It was only, it was like a seven to 10 days. I mean, it, oh. it doesn't grow back to its normal size, <laughs> but it, it functions back to normal. Yeah. But but he also had a scar that was a couple feet long across his chest. And his recovery wasn't just weeks. It right. was almost a whole year before he actually, you know, felt more back to normal. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. A friend of mine came to visit me the day after surgery and I was in one room my dad was down the hall because he had to keep us separate and he went to visit my dad and said oh how are you doing he just looked absolutely great I mean very talkative very <laughs> much alive again mm-hmm. right and he came and saw me and it's like looked like you were just hit by a truck wow. I mean just 
I was down and out for, you know, a good couple of weeks. But then obviously, like Jeff said, it was probably a good year, year and a half to really feel like I was back to normal. You were the healthy one that went in and left sick. And your dad was the sick exactly. one that went in and left healthy. Yep. He and, probably would have been gone in a matter of weeks. His liver was that bad. Wow. And when he woke up, he suddenly had a functioning liver again and uh, and felt really good. And that was 12 years ago. Yeah, luckily I had a, a good liver, wasn't much of a drinker, and they said it was one of a very healthy liver. Fantastic. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a true testimony to um, your willingness, your love, your care, and the fact that you just said, yeah, this I'll do it. And the, what you went through is amazing. So, And I'll add to that when when Jim went through this and made this decision, and it was a tough time for the Verdorn family, Jim also had a small young child, and his wife was pregnant with their second. So yeah, that so, yeah, so get this: my wife was eight months pregnant with our Megan, and she stayed. She was a nurse, critical care nurse, worked in uh, hospitals. She actually took a cot and slept with me every night for the whole week in the hospital as my helper, and she went to see my dad every every couple minutes, and she took care of us. That is fantastic. Wow. That's such a great story. Eight months pregnant. Wow. With a two-year-old at home that Jeff and Julie took into their house for... A I would call that a little stressful. It was a little stressful. And to add to that, on a side note, is my wife's father died two days before my surgery. Yeah. Wow. I never so heard that part of the story. A lot going on. Yeah. And about two weeks after Jim went in, there was a live donor that... Uh, passed away on the on the operating table. He was giving a liver to his brother in in Colorado, I believe, and, and passed away. So it was not without risk. Yeah, this scar that you have sounds kind of daunting. Yeah, it's a pretty good scar. My dad's is, goes both ways. Mine goes down and then to the right, and his kind of goes both ways. But uh, they open up. It's you know, it's your core. It's, uh, it yeah. takes a while to get back. Yeah, wow, it's amazing. So you're on you're in my Hall of Fame of cool people that mm. have done cool things. And I love the story that there is really down to one person that could save a life. And when we think about it spiritually, there's one person who can save your life, <laughs> and that's Jesus. That's it. Yeah. So great testimony, great role model, great story. And, um, you know, I, your dad's amazing. Uh, your dad. Uh, yeah, you think about it, he's had 12 more years of life, and he's seen grandkids Amen. being born and married and great-grandkids, and he's gotten a lot more out of 12 more years, that's for sure. Yeah. And what's yeah. the what's one of the most significant walkaways that you've had from this whole experience? Yeah, I've been asked if I'd do it again, and uh, I'd like to say yes. It was a tough recovery, but yeah, of course you'd do it again. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, to save a, your father and to give him 12 more years is quite amazing. Yeah, and not to mention he's doing great. And he's doing good. Yeah. So thank you, Jim. Yeah. It was hard. I mean, you you have your father on one hand and and then your your brother and your best friend growing up, uh, you know, they're both going in for major surgery, Mm -hmm. you know, at the same time. It was a tough time. I think, Jeff, you were telling me that the morning of walking over to the hospital, there was an incredible calm. Did I remember that correctly? Yeah. I mean, look, you, you... Somebody once told me that God has tailored made grace for whatever your situation. And I, I believe that. And, uh, you know, when you when you pray about everything, then God promises, this is one of his great promises, is that his peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Hmm. Beautiful. Well, thank you for that. Uh, we are still uh, in the Guy Talk segment. We have a little bit of more time today, so... 
If you have a question, text it over 877-933-2484. question that came in was, if you think the water baptism and the spiritual baptism are the same, then what do you call the prayer of the Lord Jesus to fill you with the Holy Spirit and with the evidence of speaking in tongues? Yeah, well, we actually made a distinction in that question earlier, the distinction between the spiritual baptism, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the physical baptism, which is baptism by water. So I think those two things are different, not the same. Uh, The admonition to be ye filled is an ongoing imperative, and I think it's as simple as when Paul says, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The more you set your mind on things above, the more you live by the Spirit, the more you trust in Him. I think that's what that uh, latter passage was getting at. Being the good Lutheran I am, I'm staying out of this discussion. (laughs) (laughs) As I think you should. As I think you should. All right, here's a a comment uh, with Thanksgiving coming up. Can we talk about the importance of including God in our day? And and do you have a historical background on, on how Thanksgiving came about and why we celebrate it. Oh, I do a whole teaching on Thanksgiving and the history of what it signifies and how president after president after president, uh, basically from Washington who had a day of Thanksgiving, but here's the key. It was Thanksgiving to God for his provision. Yes. All right. And every president, in fact, the first governor of the state of Minnesota declared a prayer of Thanksgiving to God for his provision Um, in the state of Minnesota, and every president all the way up to Lincoln, who then uh, at a federal level made the first official Thanksgiving as we now know it today. But again, it was Thanksgiving to God. And you go all the way up through Reagan, and, and then we get to President Obama, and he was the first president and, and I'm just going to take this. This is not a political statement. This is just kind of an historical statement. He was the first president that made his annual proclamation on Thanksgiving Day, his first year, that did not include any reference to thanking God. It was just basically, and I don't have the language in front of me, but a spirit of thanksgiving. A spirit of thanksgiving, I would argue, is meaningless without an object exactly. to your thanksgiving. Exactly. And this is the problem. I mean, it's like people always say, I wish I had more faith, Jeff. Well, you don't need more faith. You need to have an object for that faith, and that object is Jesus. And thanksgiving has to be an object, and that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for everything we've been given. Now, as we kind of dismiss that from our culture, and I was telling my wife the other day, in the history of the United States, we have now reached the most pagan time in our history, where people are doing things we never thought were possible. And it is astounding to me that we're wondering why this country is in trouble. Hmm. Nicely done. We'll take a break, and we'll come back with more of your questions, 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. Coming up after Guy Talk, Jay Payleitner is going to join me. He's written a book called The Next Verse what you never knew about 60 of your favorite Bible passages. I don't think we'll get to all 60, but anyway, that's what's coming up after more Guy Talk, which will be right back after the break.
Thanks so much for listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. If you enjoy what you're finding here, consider subscribing to some of our other Faith Radio podcasts, like mine, for instance. You can search Susie Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. We're back. Guy Talk extended version. Always a favorite. Pastor Tom Parrish is sitting to my left, and just across the studio is Jeff Verdorn, and just off in the corner is his brother Jim. So, again, that was a fantastic story. So thank you, Jim. Good story. Yeah, great story. So here's a question. I just came just came in. I have been attempting to pray for the leaders of our nation. Can you reference some verses to use for this purpose? Well, yeah, Paul... Paul says in Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, to pray for kings and authority, those in authority over you, that you may live peaceful and quiet lives. And it's like, oh, I just want to live in peace from the threats or the oppression of government authorities that that God has placed over us. And uh, and by the way, it doesn't say pray for the Christian leaders over you. It says pray for all leaders over you. I remember, quick story, I remember when Bush was president, uh, Bush two, the second one, and there was all these presidential emails that went around, and then Obama came into office, and, and they stopped. And I remember thinking, we're to pray for those in authority over us, whether they believe or not to believe, so that we might live peaceful and quiet lives. Well, in the, in the power of praying, and here's the thing, you know, we always get this idea we're supposed to pray, you know, just very positive. Well, you, like for your kids, you can also pray that truth is revealed to them, that they discover what they're doing may be wrong, that they get a new insight into what's going on. And I think that's what ultimate love is. Love is not just giving people what they want or giving them accolades when they're doing well, but it's having the courage to say, wait a minute, we got to rethink this one. And so often uh, I don't see us praying that way, even in the church, you know, that, that people will rethink what they're doing. And so one of the things I encourage Christians to do is like the local school boards that are now introducing all kinds of strange stuff to the schools. Mm-hmm. Pray for each one of those school board members. Pray Absolutely. for the Lord's blessing, but also pray the Lord wakes them up, that what they're doing can be destructive to others. And if we had more of that kind of thing going on, who knows what the Lord would do. And I don't think it's ever wrong for Christians to point out when their kings and those in authority over you are doing things opposite of God's ways. Nathan, Nathan, prophet Nathan, came to King David and said, told him a little story and said, King David, you are that man, right? You are the one that was being selfish, basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he pointed it out to those in authority. So I don't think it's ever wrong for the church to rise up and say, no, that's wrong. This is God's ways, and that's, that's right. wrong. Well, and we're so afraid to bring up the name of Jesus publicly. And we're told, oh, you can't do that in school. And I'm telling people, bring up his name often. Have no fear. There is no Absolutely. separation of church and state in the Constitution Correct. or in the Declaration of Independence. You know, 
this government can't establish a religion, but you and I still have freedom of speech. Speak yeah, we up. Have, we have gotten to the point where it's almost you're almost considered by the world, by our country, as being disqualified if you have a biblical worldview and base your opinions on biblical truth as opposed to secular truth. Look, they're as religious as anybody else. Their religion is called secular humanism or materialism right. or whatever, and so their views have been formulated of these issues on some belief system. So are ours. My belief system has been based on the Bible. And so I think we should always stand up for God's ways. It's never wrong. There are some Christians, and it drives me nuts, who said, oh, we're not of this world, and so we shouldn't be involved at all. It's like, no, righteousness exalts a nation, God says. Well, think about the Lord's Prayer. How do we pray? Thy kingdom come, Hmm. thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do we expect that to happen? Do we expect that it's just going to fall out of the sky? You know, the last time my church was in need of money, and it always is, you know, <laughs> I, you know I, I don't say to them, you know, let's pray and hope it falls from the ceiling. No, we pray that the Lord will move in people's hearts who have the resources, even if they don't know us, he can move in their hearts still, and then supply those resources. It's the same thing here. Yeah. I, so vote righteousness. I, that's what I tell people. Yeah. And, in my classes and pray for every single person who's whether they're legislators or, or the judiciary or or the executive branches at the state level and at the federal level pray for those in authority over you that you may live peaceful and quiet lives yep i thought in the 90 minute version you guys would start to get sluggish but <laughs> you got us worked up just on that the one, opposite yeah, yeah who, put, on. who put nickels in you guys right now <laughs> all right here's a question elijah was taken up to heaven by god why wasn't Elisha taken up to heaven by God, who asked for and received a double portion of Elijah's spirit? Well, I, I'm i going to relate this to my study of the end times because I think there's the reason why Elijah was taken up to heaven, as well as one other character in the Old Testament who was taken up to heaven uh, without experiencing death, and that was Enoch. Mm-hmm. In the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, we just happen to have two people that come down from heaven who testify about Jesus in the city of Jerusalem during the tribulation period. I believe that those two witnesses are Elijah and Enoch. So God wasn't done with Elijah yet. I don't think he's done with Enoch yet. He's got a plan for them. So um, so that's why I think they were taken up alive is because God's not done with them. He has a plan to use them as the two witnesses that are described in Revelation 11. So that's my view of it. That's a good insight. I've never heard that one before. Would the two are put together like that? The bottom line is, I think we have a danger of reading the Bible and wanting to make a doctrine out of a single verse or a single idea that's applicable to all people of all time. When the Lord acted individually with people, Elisha, Elijah, he dealt with them. David, he dealt differently. Uh, the principles are the same. But if he wants to take somebody to heaven, well, look at Melchizedek. Had no beginning of days, no end of days. Where did he go? You know, type of thing. This is the Lord's hand. He can do what he wants. And the biggest thing I've had to learn as a Christian is to trust Jesus, whether I understand what he's doing or not. Yeah, it gets to the the question. In fact, I just had this discussion a couple of weeks ago with a friend. Why doesn't God just take us home? Why doesn't he just come and end all this place? Well, the only answer I had to that is he's patient with us, Second Peter 3. He's patient with us, not wanting any to perish. Uh, why does he leave us here? And the only answer I can come up with was he wants others to know about him. Um, so if you go, you know, why one versus 
the other, well, why not Moses? Why not Isaiah? Why not Ezekiel? Why not? No. Why didn't he take all of them up to heaven? Why doesn't he take us up to heaven right now? And uh, I think the answer is he had a plan for Elijah and, and, and Enoch, I think a unique plan for them, but the rest of us he leaves here to be light in the world. Of course, the congregation I serve, we now have all age groups, but for a while we just had older people. And some were really excited about all the end times. And I get excited about that too. But I told them, I said, look, for you that are in your 70s and 80s, it's going to occur within 20 years or less. So get ready because if it, if the door doesn't occur, come in your lifetime as you understand it, you're still going to come with him when he comes. And that to you is going to be the day after you die. Exactly. Why do we struggle with authority? Well, it goes back to the Garden of Eden. Who wanted to be God? You know, Adam and Eve wanted to be God in the end. They wanted to make their own choices. And I don't think that problem has gone away. And here's the problem uh, all of us have. Submitting to Jesus, submitting to his will, is probably the hardest human thing we can ever do because it means we've got to give up being the boss and say, you're the boss and you're going to have the final word. And quite frankly, uh, most of us don't understand that when we raise our hands in praise, which is a good thing to do, or bow, that was the same posture people took when they were brought before a king who had lost mm. in battle. Mm. And you're saying, I have no power. You have all the power. You can cut off my head. You can do with me whatever I want. We're called to surrender now. And if we surrender now to Jesus, we'll be with him forever. Yeah, he made us with free will. And the problem is, is we want to use that will. Um, where Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. And so I think it's, that simple. We want our will to be done, and we don't always submit. You said the word submit a couple times in your answers, Tom, and I think that's the key. You, we submit our will to God's will. Yeah. But when you have it your way, don't you, you usually end up less than joyful and fulfilled. When you do it God's way, you're in his perfect will. So there's where you're going to find your greatest joy in this mm. life. Well, whenever you do the Lord's will, Let's put it this way. You can still have chaos around you, but inside you have that inner peace that you are in line with the Lord. And that's what we really want. Um, I know many people that have literally, I don't know, let me start that back. I know Christians that have become martyrs and they went through very hard times at the end, but they had peace about it because they knew where they were going mm. and they knew the Lord. That's what we want. We want that inner peace regardless of the outward circumstances. I agree. Nicely done, gentlemen. I have to say, thank you for the extended version of Guy Talk. Fun to do it. Yeah, I was going to be here either way, so <laughs> it was really nice that you stayed uh, for an extra segment. I think the I think the lobster you brought in really helped. That, yeah. that was an enticement, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. And you guys all look cute in the bibs. <laughs> I have to admit. And Jeff, you gave some great answers, and Brian and Stephanie agreed. So oh, there you were, go. Were they listening? No, you're we don't just know. okay. I, don't know. <laughs> got it. I got it. I got yeah. it. All right, so we're going to take a break and we'll come back. Jay Payleitner. Um, I'm wondering if his nickname was Jay Pay. Oh, I'll ask him. Uh, he's written a book called The Next Verse What You Never Knew About 60 of Your Favorite Bible Verses. So you're not going to want to go anywhere. And so, gentlemen, thank you for Guide Talk, and we'll take a break and be right back with Jay Payleitner.
It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. I know everybody's got favorite verses from the Bible because you've got them on a you know a poster or a piece of wood or it's maybe a magnet on your refrigerator or you know I've seen people at the gym that have a tattoo with their favorite verse but it always kind of prompts the the question in my mind is do you know the verse that comes next and so when I saw this book uh, the next verse it really got my attention and its subtitle is What You Never Knew About 60 of Your Favorite Bible Passages. And my guest is Jay Payleitner, and he's uh, with us today. Hello, Jay. Well, Bill, uh, what a privilege to hang out with you yeah. and your faith radio friends. Uh, cool. uh, yeah, let's dig into this. Sounds yeah. like fun. Well, my first question is your name. Uh, did, was one of your nicknames Jay Pay? Uh, among among many others, most of them <laughs> positive, some some derogatory that happens to us Christians once in a while. Yeah, yeah, but uh, Paylightner <laughs> is a name I've never heard before, and no. as I, I look at your name on your book, and I see J and then Pay, I thought, I wonder if that right. stuck. Well, uh, my grandfather came over in 1906, and they changed the the old German Austrian name to to Paylightner. <laughs> yeah, and so every, if you meet a Paylightner. They are uh, related to me. Awesome. There you go. I love that. All right, let's <laughs> let's dig into some verses. Let's just pick one just to get things started. I mean, everybody knows John 3.16, but do they know the next verse? Um, well, uh, in my travels, as I promote this book, I found that about half the people really do have dug into it, and I give them credit for that. But isn't that funny how... Uh, yeah, I don't even have... We don't, we don't even have to, Bill, recite John 3.16, because... 98% of your viewers probably know it. it's about God's love yep. and he gave his son and it's about eternal life. It just is a, a real, it's like, yes, that's awesome and wonderful and great. It's all good news. And then if you keep reading, John 3, 17 and 18 is about condemnation. Mm -hmm. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And then John 3, 18, it says that the world is conde uh, stands condemned already. Uh, so uh, that's a little frightening, but at the same time, for authentic believers, we're, that it's all good news, of course. But the point here is maybe that uh, we're suddenly we're reading not about grace, but about judgment. But really, you can't have one without the other. You have to have both sides of that coin. And the other thing it really confirms is that we needed to be rescued. And Jesus was on a rescue mission, mm -hmm. so it should be very comforting, even though it's a little, uh, a little uh, disconcerting for those who are like, oh, I better get this right. <laughs> yeah, it's important not only to get it right and see the the verse in the context, but also then figuring out how to apply it. Well, yeah, right. And I know that's what uh, exactly your book right. does. It your book does a nice job of uh, doing a practical application at the end of each chapter. Well, thank you. It was. Uh, uh, most of my early books, uh, I'm, I'm sure some of your listeners have my books for, on, on parenting and being a dad and on marriage and relationships. This one uh, caused me to work a little harder, a little dig a little deeper, and uh, was a, a, a revelation to me, uh, putting together, uh, again, looking at the ne these all these next verses. Yeah. yeah. But let, let's pick another really popular verse, and that would be John 14, 6, when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What's the next verse? Well, um, 
we need to know um well interestingly enough uh, the book is indeed most in, in 60 chapters and about 50 of them we go to the next verse but john uh, uh john 14 6 jesus answered i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me it begs the question who is jesus answering and people don't even know that um you know who that was that was our dear friend who we know and love doubting thomas was asking jesus for directions to heaven uh and that's in john 14 5 so mm -hmm. before before the famous verse it's uh, uh it's doubting thomas saying lord we don't do not know where you are going so how can we know the way um and then uh uh the, the amazing things about thomas is um uh, he's the one, of course, you know, that in the upper room, he was the one who had to, had to put his fingers in Jesus' hands and, and put his, his hand in his, in his side to, to be confirmed that he had risen from the dead. Uh, so that's Doubting Thomas asking that question. And Jesus answers it, it. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So uh, let's go to then to the next verse, John 14, 7. Jesus says, well, that's great stuff. If you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, listen, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. That's that's mind blowing. Yeah, it's mind blowing. So, <laughs> you, you could, uh, and it's, it's in, in that, those three verses in a row, it's a great question, a great truth, and a great application. We can, if you know Jesus, you will know God, and Jesus is the only way to heaven. That's a one, two, three punch right there. And then my favorite, uh, uh, I can't get away talking about Thomas to remind us that um, uh, the Bible tells us that the name Thomas means twin. And uh, really, there's no other mention of, of, of Thomas's twin or somebody walking around that looks like him in the whole, in the whole, all of scripture. So it begs the question, who is, <laughs> Bill, who is Thomas's twin? Uh, maybe it's you. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's all of us listening right now, because because we sometimes come to to this faith with our doubts, and that's healthy mm -hmm. to ask questions. So maybe that's the big takeaway from this whole section: is you know what? It's okay to bring doubts because God can handle them. Jesus can handle them, and uh, uh, it was it was a fun a fun passion to explore. Uh, and uh, again, one of the chapters in uh, my book, The Next Verse. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for making three copies of your book available so I can give them out to listeners. Nope. And if you would like to get in on the drawing, all you have to do is text the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. Just uh, text the word book and Jay Payleitner is my guest, and he's the author of the book, The Next Verse, What You Never Knew About 60 of Your Favorite Bible Passages. All right, Jay, let's jump into a little of the Old Testament here. Micah 6, 8 is a, another very popular verse a lot of people know, <laughs> to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Um, I, uh, I walked around my house, and I talked to guys in my small group, to see what verses were on people's walls or on their coffee mugs. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to take verses that we walk by every day. And, uh, and that's one that I, I, it's two, about 30 feet away now in my family room is, uh, is this wonderfully piece of framed art that says, act justly, 
love mercy, walk humbly. And it's like, oh, wonderful. Uh, Old Testament stuff, Micah 6, 8. <clears throat> let's, uh, let's look at Micah. We don't, you don't open that too often. It's only seven chapters. And the book, the book Micah mostly delivers judgment on Israel and Judah for their corrupt leadership and the idolatry. And in that context, King Ahaz has, has set up pagan idols and nailed the temple door shut. Uh, but if you read between the lines, you can still see, I mean, it seems like it's an oppressive kind of book, but you can still see God's faithfulness. Uh, uh, now, we talk about Micah 6, 8, but tucked into chapter 5 of Micah is uh, uh, is the promises about the coming Messiah. That's where it says that Bethlehem, though you are small, out of you will come the, the ruler of Israel. So you got to love those that the Old Testament um, messianic prophecies, uh, but but here's the the key to the to the book of Micah, and well, uh, it might be the key to the entire Bible. In chapter six, where we are right now, Micah starts asking about all the all the old failed options for for getting right with God, sacrificing rams and burnt offerings, and even sacrificing firstborn sons, and then he asks this big question. What does the Lord require of you? So, again, we're looking at, at Micah 6, 8, but uh, th that's the response to the question, what does the Lord require of you? And the answer is not to sacrifice burnt offerings. It's to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. And that's what paves the way for the for the entire New Testament. So um, in, in context, that is that, that wonderful, you know, those that three three-part process of of uh you know being just and merciful and, and and walking humbly but that's all about uh getting to know who jesus is and uh walking with him in the old testament no less mm -hmm. my guest is jay payleitner and his book is called the next verse and what you never knew about 60 of your favorite bible passages uh jay i'd love to i'd love to jump back into the new testament let's go to matthew chapter 7 Verse 1, and I know this comes out all the time. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. That's usually well, where that, things stop. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that may be um, uh, the most misused verse in all of Scripture, of course. Non-Christians, non-believers, the cynics will say, ah, you can't judge me, you Christians, all you do is judge. But your Bible says, don't judge me. The Bible says, judge not. Uh, well, I'm not sure. I didn't mean to mock anybody there, but that's the... <laughs> 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 but uh, that's what we hear. And and uh, I give them credit. They know some of the scripture. And that's a starting point, I guess. But here's maybe the, the bigger point is, Bill, they might be right. We cannot hold non-believers to the same standard that we hold ourselves or other Christians. They don't have the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. My old friend Steve Brown, uh, a great Bible teacher, used to say, um, when a when a pagan or a non-believer reads the Bible, it's like they're reading somebody else's mail. They just don't get it. We shouldn't be expected to. On the other hand, uh, I mean, Christians do have a responsibility to point out sin in the lives of other Christians, especially their close friends and people who they hang out with in small group accountability partners. First Corinthians um, chapter five. Uh, it it <laughs> it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders. That's pretty interesting. It isn't, Paul writes, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, 
but it is certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. Um, uh, but yeah, Bill, let's let's be careful. Uh, we're all we're all sinners. God's going to have the final say. But again, going to the next verse now, it be, starts being be giving us instructions on how to judge. Which suddenly it's like, uh, don't judge, or you'll be too you, you too will be judged. But having said that, let's let me let's talk about how to judge. Mm-hmm. In the same way you judge others, you will be judged. So be careful of that. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then it goes on to the next two verses, which are that amazing, almost comical passage that says, "Hey, I'm paraphrasing. Hey, don't you know what? You got take a look at that. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your own eye when you got that plank or that log in your own?" Um, so, uh, uh, bottom line, again, from these, these passages, Matthew 7, 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 5, I think it's okay to judge, and I hope you agree with me, Bill, but, um, but, uh, and it's okay, we need to judge, to look at, at the world and see where, where, where things are wrong and right, but maybe we should, should spend more time, maybe getting our own head on straight, kind of judging ourselves first and seeing where we are, uh, and then when we do see sin in our own lives, Let's get our act together, uh, and you know, beg forgiveness and or ask forgiveness. And when we do see sin in others, maybe lead with love. That's the way. That's the uh, the best option to uh, to bring to to draw people into the kingdom. I think so. If um, if folks, Bill, are are pointing the finger at you, saying, "Don't judge, don't judge," maybe you need to love more first. I, I'm talking to you and to me and to anybody listening mm-hmm. today. Yeah. <laughs> I think you put those in the right order, Jay. I'm going to take a yeah, break. Yeah, Jay Payleitner is my guest, and his book is called The Next Verse, What You Never Knew, about 60 of your favorite Bible passages. Jay was nice enough to make three of his books available for me to give out. So if you'd like to get in on the drawing to get one of Jay's books, all you do is text the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. had a good day and if you're just heading home from a long day i uh, don't want to pile anything else on you but if you uh, have not downloaded the faith radio app i i really encourage you to do it because you will find you can listen to faith radio live or on demand no matter where you are so you can download the free faith radio app in your app store today my guest is jay payleitner and he has written a book called the next verse what you never knew about 60 of your favorite bible passages and we were just in Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 1, do not judge or you too will be judged. Let's move to Matthew 11 now, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Um, uh, Bill, this was one of, the, one of the verses that I came upon that cemented the, my idea. I need to write this book because it's so, it's almost funny and humorous. And uh, uh, so often I found and any of your listeners, if they're reading a verse, 
it's like you don't get it or there's something there or you, you wish there was a little more clarification, just keep reading because so often the next verse, again, adds some, uh, is a reminder or something surprising or, so, or, or again, making you laugh. And I got to tell you, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Uh, it's about sitting in the sitting in the shade with Jesus drinking lemonade. Come to me, <laughs> all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And that's such a wonderful thing. It's lyrical and comforting. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And that's where it ends. That's where you want it to end, because that's what you just want to do. And then sneaky, sneaky... Uh, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. What? That's the next verse. Take, wait, you just wait. I'm, you say, come and give me, are you going to give me rest? And suddenly it's like, take my yoke upon you. You know what a yoke is? It's a it's a wooden collar that you that you know you put onto oxen and donkeys and, and horses, I guess, to, to pull heavy. Oh, it sounds like work to me. Uh, we'll keep reading a little bit here. Uh, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, most of your listeners have, have read that. They, it sound, the words sound familiar. But let's break that down. Um, first off, you're gonna. It's not. It's not our yoke. It's Jesus' yoke. So that's a whole different ball of wax there. Um, uh, that he's gonna ball of wax. What kind of expression is that? I haven't used that. <laughs> I'm glad you go. I'm uh, glad you're editing in your head on live radio. I love that. There you go. Uh but um Jesus is That's something I would Jesus, do. Jesus is yoke. Um uh he's gonna give you a yoke that is gentle and that's doable. Once he's there next to you, he's carrying most of the load, and you know that he can carry all kinds of weight because he carries the sins of the world. Every every sin ever committed, he's carrying that weight. So so Jesus has some 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 strength there, um, and uh, plus he, he he's you're next to him. So he, and he and it says, "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me." So he's he's whispering directions to you the whole time. He's whispering you encouragement and going, "Oh, you could do this." And here's how you do it. And and again, um, uh, you know, he's not going to give you more than you can handle. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And um, you know what? Let, let's, let's allow Jesus to do the heavy lifting in our lives. Hmm. So maybe the takeaway from this, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, and the, the verses that follow is, let's seek more burdens. Let's take on more stuff. I mean, not just to be busy, but if, we, if we're listening to God and he's encouraging us to go someplace and we're, we're running scared, it's like, uh, if you want to sit in the shade with Jesus, uh, do that. But as soon as you do, he's going to go, you know what, Bill? You know what, Jay? Uh, we're going to do this together. We're going to make this work. So um, that's one of my favorites. Uh, the next verse, Matthew eleven twenty eight, And please read the next verse. Mm-hmm. And Jay, I love that Jesus is just uses descriptors of himself and his character. I, I think that's mm. one of the only places in Scripture where he says, I am gentle and humble in spirit. Wow. Uh, uh, that's good. For I am gentle and humble... Humble in heart. Yeah. Um, where I mean, where uh, else does Jesus describe his character? Well, um, I th- I think of Jesus uh, as both as humble, uh, uh, gentle, and lowly kind of character. Character mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the, the 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 wrath. We know that we know we can turn over the tables, 
Uh, that's also one of the verses that I, I explored in the book, because because <laughs> right after he turns over the tables and, uh, you know, you, we've got people go, well, I can be angry. Jesus, Jesus got angry. So that's OK. But the very next verse uh, <laughs> after, after right after that, that scene, the very next verse, it's like, aha, uh-huh, that's when the Pharisees started realizing plotting to kill him. So, my goodness, the the. That little section there, again, a different chapter in the book, but that idea of uh, Jesus getting angry. So the two or three questions you got to ask yourself if you look at the next verses, well, first off, it's righteous anger, not not anger for your own self-interest. It's also um, Jesus you know, really established the idea of turning the other cheek. Uh, so um, he, he can do both those things. He can turn the other cheek sometimes and he can endure righteous anger. And third, um, him turning over the tables, not just being gentle and lowly like we're reading here, but he when he when he turns over the tables, he is setting in process, and he knows this. The events that are gonna, you know, the most important events in the history of the world is is his his journey to the cross, so mm-hmm. he can bear the burden for our sins. So again, you keep reading, guys. There are you got listeners who who don't pick up their Bible because they're a little intimidated, Bill. What would you say to them? If they're a little intimidated, they're intimidated. I can't read the scripture. It's too much. What would you say to them? I would say, uh, be intimidated. Get started. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. And I then mean, I'm going to agree it, with your emotions. If that's how you're feeling, I'm not going to talk you out of them, but yeah, there you nevertheless go. do it anyway. And, and if something confuses you or it makes you angry or, uh, uh, makes you, uh, think you can't do it. Just keep reading, yeah. Because God is not a god of confusion. I agree. Uh, he's he's a challenge. It's a challenge, but he's yeah. not a god of confusion. He's a god of 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 uh, of wisdom and and delight and love. So he's not going to leave you in in that state of confusion. He's gonna. But you got to keep reading. Keep, I agree. keep reading. Yeah, there I you agree. Go. <laughs> we got to keep reading the next verse, which is the name of Jay well, Payleitner's book. And if you'd like to get in on the drawing, we've got three copies of the book. Text the word book to eight seven seven. Nine three three two four eight four. All right, Jay, let's go to Joshua chapter twenty-four, verse fifteen. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. I have a friend who has that on their welcome mat in front of their house. And it's wonderful, very lyrical. As for me and my house, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. But again, I think most people who have that on their little wooden plaques or welcome mats or such. I, I, I'm I'm encouraging you to go open your book, open your your Bible, Old Testament, Joshua 24. Some folks don't even know who Joshua is. Um, uh, he was a guy, of course, who took over from Moses. Moses never made it into the Promised Land. Joshua, you know, was the one who uh, who crossed the crossed the river and uh, and led the Israelites forward. But this is Joshua's farewell. Joshua chapter 24 is the last book, the last chapter in the book of. Joshua. He's 110 years old, and he wants to give some final words to uh, the Israelites. So he assembles all the tribes of Israel in the valley or the desert or the fields of Shechem, wherever that is, and he reminds them of of their entire history. Uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the Red Sea and the, and the time in the desert, and he reminds them of God's faithfulness. See, God's been faithful through it all. And then uh, he also says, oh, by the way, I know you guys have had some trouble over the years, you know, doing that worship, that idol worship deal. And uh, then he makes a bold statement. 
about, about what are you saying? Who are you going to follow? Uh, Joshua 24, 15, that, that great verse that's, uh, that you, we, we know and appreciate, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What a beautiful thought that is. And what the, what's the next verse? The next verse is equally wonderful. The people reply, we would never, again, Joshua 24, 16, the people replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Joshua knows these characters, and so he goes, so two more, <laughs> two, I'm sorry, two more times he says, okay, uh, I'm going to serve the Lord, and two more times they go, yes, no, we will serve the Lord. So Joshua dies happy. Uh, the book of Jud- uh, Joshua ends, in, ends and uh, they bury him, and they're all good. Mm-hmm. And then you flip about two chapters. You flip over into uh, the Judges, just a few couple pages, and those Israelites, those rascals, are back to their idolatrous ways. And so you got to ask yourself when you when you step on that welcome mat, or look and see that verse, or even think about it. It's not just this warm, cuddly statement. I'm going to we're going to serve the Lord. It is a it is a commitment to serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. It is a it is a challenge. What are your idols? Yeah. Now, Bill, my idol's not a not a golden calf. Yeah. But I got idols out there for sure. Yeah, we all do. And, Jay, thank you. Uh, and I <laughs> thank you so much for doing the program. It's great having yeah. you on. Okay. All right. Jay Paylander has been my guest. His book is The Next Verse, What You Never Knew About 60 of Your Favorite Bible Passages. That's our show for the day. Thank you so much for spending time with me. I look forward to being with you tomorrow. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.